Support for WERU comes from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at maineboats.com. When you need news, you turn to Community Radio, WERU-FM. We work hard to consistently bring you accurate news programs that contain alternative perspectives not available in the mainstream media. Programming these public affairs shows with reporters around the nation and around the globe is an expensive proposition. So, we're turning to you to help pay the costs of our programs. Take a moment right now and call in with your pledge. 1-800-643-6273 or log on to weru.org. Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for power boats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Boat Talk with hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning here at WERU-FM Blue Hill. Time for Boat Talk. It's the monthly call-in show that's made for people who are contemplating things naval. With your two rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. It's the boating show that has yachts to talk about and some of which may sound fishy. We're also here with uh, Captain Giffy Full again. Welcome back, Giffy. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Alan, I got something to say to you, though. He who would pun would pick a pocket. (laughs) (laughs) I just watched... uh, Nothing. I just rewatched the uh, uh, Master and Commander movie starring Russell Crowe. The uh, movie of the Patrick O'Brien uh, yeah, novel, that's just outstanding. I mean, it's hard to make a good movie out of a book, and that's like my favorite book of all time. I consider the 21 novels to be one, basically it's one book. Yeah. Just outstanding, but there's a scene there where they're having a uh, drunken dinner down in the captain's cabin, and there's, uh, two, uh, there's a plate of ship's biscuits, and there's two weevils that crawl out of them, and the captain asks the uh, doctor to choose between the lesser of two weevils. And the doctor looks at him really deadpan and says, he who would pun would pick a pocket. Yeah, yeah, bowled him over with that one. And I thought of you, buddy. (laughs) So anyway, it's a low art, but we love Alan, so, you know. So we have a a variety of things to talk about, lots of things from the papers of goings-on locally lately. Yeah, we do. and. Some yeah, good. yeah, and we also tried to get some people on the phone this morning, and it's not happening, and we're going to fake it without them, but we'll be fine. Speaking of phones, though, we should probably mention uh, this is a call-in show. There you go. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the call-in number. And we are also in the midst of a fun-a-thon. 
And that's a different number. If you'd like to call up and make a pledge to WERU, that number to call is 1-800-643-6273. Well, let's talk about the fundraising thing for a minute. Uh, Boat Talk's pretty fun gig, you know, and it was kind of handed to us. Uh, we didn't start it. Some uh, much more talented, famous people did. Uh, Joel uh, White and uh, uh, Maynard Bray, among other people. Kathy Kalen, uh, Kathy Melio got them going uh-huh. a long time ago. But... Uh, one reason that Boat Talk works so well, I think, is because of the audience. And one thing we've always said for years, every once in a while we have a little pity party, uh, you know, we'll call you up and say, what do you got? Oh, I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, poor <laughs> us. We have to do a talk show with nothing. And, well, let's trust the audience, you know, very knowledgeable audience. Uh, our favorite comment is that I don't know nothing about boats, but I like that Boat Talk, you know. Yeah. It's, and... Uh, uh, so it's just a joy, but it's a two-way street, and it, it, it wouldn't work without the, the two-way part of it, you know. It's community radio. And this morning, like I say, is what we call the fun-a-thon around here, the pledge-raising uh, time, which happens four times a year. It's the biggest part of our budget comes from, uh, you know, listener support, and we're asking you to give us a call this morning. There's an operator standing by, and the uh, pledge line is one 800 643-6273. We got another fundraiser coming up too, don't we? We do. This is a, a, a really fun fundraiser. Uh, the Boat Talk Cruise is coming up at the end of the month. It's on um, the 20th, June 27th. 27th. It's a Saturday afternoon. Right. Saturday evening, about 6 o'clock down Northeast Harbor. And we did it last year and uh, on the Sea Princess, which is a lovely boat down to uh, Northeast Harbor there, tour boat. And it was... Uh, Coincidentally enough, designed by our buddy Giffy Fole sitting right here. She holds about 60 people and uh, goes quite nicely through the water, very comfortable. There's a big engine box there, and on the engine box, we're going to have a little, uh, what do you call it, potluck. Yeah, yeah, finger food potluck. Yeah, and uh, so we call it the, uh, the annual semi-dinner cruise, and uh, the Sea Princess has got a hold of us. They're the, they're the mothership. They're all good to go. Last year was such a good time. It was. It was kind of chilly that evening, but people bundled up, and the, the scenery was great. We had an excellent time going, going around. to started out going to, over to Seal Harbor and then came back by um, Sutton's Island and saw the, uh, the nine-foot-tall osprey's nest. Yeah, it's like 90 years old as it's, well. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And then up the Sound and back down again through the uh, mooring field in Southwest Harbor, looking at boats and houses and Mountains and yeah, telling stories, chit-chatting, waving to Martha Stewart, and and uh, eating good food, you know. And and uh, I don't think it could have been improved upon last year. So uh, we're about to do it again, and and we urge you to be aboard. The tickets are only fifteen dollars. It all goes to support WERU, and uh, pretty much guarantee a good time. Yep. Yeah. If you if you have a small child and it goes on your lap, the child goes free. Yeah. Yep. Lap kids go free. I'll tell you this, too. We were under uh, quite a bit of pressure here to add a pirate element to the voyage this year and uh, possibly, uh, you know, to be attacked and, and ransom pirates, another fundraising angle or something. Uh, we've kind of fought off the pirates already. We guarantee this to be a safe, very safe trip. Right, yes. We've already checked out the course. It's not going to go anywhere near the Gulf of Aden. No, it's, uh, like I say, guaranteed to be a good time. That's June 27th, the end of the month, uh, Saturday night. Uh, might I say it's a three-hour cruise? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, what what could happen, you know? Yeah. But there will be no pirates, and uh, you know it should be pretty cool. We got 
we got some stuff about pirates here to talk about this morning. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, um, well, I'd like to have Giffy talk a little bit about the Sea Princess. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you made that from a loaf of bread. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it's not quite correct. Um, I did the original d- designs, and then they were turned over to a naval architect by the name of Miles Fitch from East Booth Bay, Maine, and he did a real nice finished product. And uh, wound up, uh, my brother and I had the first one built, and uh, out of that first one, it became seven boats uh, that they built on Cranberry Island, uh, two for my brother and I, and then there was one that went to Booth Bay. A lady in New Hampshire had three built. Three? Three. One and after then, another, or she had a fleet? Yeah, one after another, and then uh, then the Sea Princess, uh, the, the men on uh, couple, the builder and some other people on Cranberry Island decided to build one for themselves and put it in the tour, oh. tour boat business. The Sea Princess has the cabin way forward. Right? Way forward, yeah. yeah. That's not the original layout, but it's... Perfect for what they do. It is, and it, yeah, and it still balances yeah. quite yeah. nicely yeah. in the water. And, yeah, so they're wonderful sea boats, and uh, one of them, one of the boats, the second one we had built, is now owned down in Newport, Rhode Island, and she's probably one of the finest, finished, cleanest passenger boats you'll ever lay eyes on. Uh, she'd been totally rebuilt here three years ago in, into a real showpiece. Oh, for, this is in Newport. In Newport, four for the passenger boat trade, huh. but uh, to be a sort of a high-level showpiece. Yeah. And uh, people will take a ride on that boat in the morning, and they like it so much they'll come right back in the afternoon <laughs> take another one. Nice. And, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, uh, semi-enclosed as well. You can sit out or, or um, under the uh, uh, back cover there and, and uh, like I say, very, very comfortable. And yeah. we'll hold about 60 people. and. Again, we expect the thing to be full of happy people, and we would love it if you were aboard. That's uh, June 27th. Give us a call here at the radio station anytime, uh, 469-6600 is the office number, and uh, we'll sign you up for the Boat Talk annual semi-dinner cruise. Yeah. Well, I had to tell, explain about the uh, the Martha Stewart challenge at some point, too, but let's, uh, let's yeah. move on. Well, uh, let's start here. Here's some uh, station business. This is from the uh, PAC committee, the program advisory committee here, and uh, I always go through these, see what's happening around the station. And from listener letters here, um, uh, a few uh, things that were on the negative side, among them, the wrong use of nautical miles. And I panicked when I saw that. I thought, was that us on Boat Talk? Could we possibly have, uh, you know, made a faux pas on uh, nautical miles? But no, we didn't. Apparently, it was somebody else. Um, let's talk about nautical miles for, for a minute. What's the difference between a mile and a nautical mile? There's not one. Oh, he done it again. <laughs> Check your pockets, Gibby. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, logs were actually, uh, I'm told the story, were actually a way of, they measured miles by having this actual log that they towed behind the boats and it would like a sort of a stern wheelers type fashion so that the log actually rolled around in the water as it was being towed and as it rolled around it pulled up this uh stringy head to it tied to it that had knots tied into it well, that's, certain... that's, that's not not the way it was it was a it was a triangular little triangular pad 
that uh, when you dropped it overboard, it just towed the line. It stood upright in the water and would spool the line right right off uh-huh. with the, the knots marked in it. Right. So and there was time. Stood there with a with an hourglass. With an hourglass. Or, or, and in a minute, or, yeah, or a minute or, glass probably. Yeah. <laughs> in a in yeah. a certain period of time, how many knots on the string, which are evenly spaced, would be uh, you know paid out. Uh, and that's how fast you were that's going. Basically correct, but yep. uh, what what's uh, how many? Let's put it another way: how many feet in a mile? Right, five thousand two eighty. Yes. And how many feet in a nautical well, mile? You got me on that one. It's well, 6, uh, yeah, 6, I forgot. <laughs> I think it's uh, six thousand and twenty something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a longer six, mile. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the yeah, definition... Especially if you're on your hands and knees. <laughs> yeah. The definition of a nautical mile, a, a nautical mile is a minute of latitude. A mile is a minute. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, on the chart, uh, like I say, a, uh, a minute of latitude is a nautical mile. Yeah. And mm-hmm. why a, a land mile and a, and a nautical mile are different, I can't tell you, uh, but it is a call-in show this morning, and it's one of the great things about Boat Talk. Maybe somebody knows. Yes. So. We'll give you the number, one 625 9378 if you'd like to get on to Boat Talk. Yep. And, uh, again, thank goodness it wasn't us misusing nautical miles and and making people upset. Speaking of um, uh, listener comment, criticism, actually, uh, 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 good criticism I got about a month ago was a fellow called up and he says, you know, you ought to do a show uh, basically centered around uh, boat repair for dummies. And I said, well, we are certainly the right people to do that. But he, uh, that sort of was the original mission of Boat Talk was to answer questions for people who had boats and were wanted to know uh, yeah. what to do. And I think maybe we've gotten away from that a little bit, but um, we have a listener so we'll go to that listener but i can also mention that if you go to boattalk.org we have a contact us thing so you can email questions to us at any time yeah i also uh, wrote a piece which just posted up there and uh, you know love uh, people to see that so uh, boattalk.org okay let's go to and the somebody on the caller. phone good morning welcome to boat talk good morning yes this is captain yo Hello, yo captain how's it going down in tremont this morning uh pretty good i'm getting some paint on the spars uh, that was my next question. How's how's your friend Annie McGee? Yo owns the cutest, most beautiful little pinky schooner you ever seen, called Annie McGee. I'm I'm very jealous. How's well, she doing? She's right here in the shop. She was out of the weather. Yeah. And uh, we're getting paint on. When are we launching? It's about summertime now, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, I like to quote Captain Bly in these instances. He may have been a tyrant on board, but he was an amazing seaman. And once he had his loyal crew on board the pinnace out in the middle of the Pacific, and they asked him, Captain, how much further? He would say, man, don't worry about how much further. Look how far we've come. <laughs> you know what I like to say, yo? It's, it's only that long and that wide. How much trouble could it be? You know, that's, right. that's my favorite boat joke. <laughs> well, the reason I called is I had a note about the miles. Yeah. Okay. Well, you stated correctly that the uh, nautical mile is based on a minute, but uh, the statute mile is based upon the pace of the Roman army. And mile comes from the Roman milium, Hmm. which is a thousand paces. And at 5,280 feet, that lets us know that the uh, average pace of the Roman soldier at a thousand paces, five 
be. Hmm. That's okay. what the statute mile is based upon, but of course, they didn't march across water. Well, no. Yeah. But it's all connected. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I knew somebody would have some light on that. Yes. Thank you, Yo. You're in a, you're in a league of your own. I'm afraid so. Yeah, check, <laughs> check your change pocket, Yo. He, he punned you again. But thanks for uh, running the show. Well, thank you, Yo, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to send him a, a, a mile of appreciation. Here's uh, one eight. Thank you, Yo. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the number into Boat Talk. Again, the pledge line, if you'd like to make a pledge for Boat Talk, is one eight hundred six four three six two seven three. And we have a thank you already. We have a, a, a thank you from Lynn and Chris down in Bristol, who say they love the Boat Talk guys. Hey, no pressure anymore. We're all set. We've, uh, you know, got some some money in the can there. But uh, like you say, the the whole boat talk thing would not work without the community part of community radio. And uh, once again, we urge you to support our little radio habit here. Or again, come uh, come uh, for a boat ride with us June twenty seventh down in Northeast Harbor. Um, speaking of uh, boat talk, uh, two months ago we had um, we talked about main ports, you know, and what's coming and going. Uh, by water in main ports, a little controversial now about the whole Sears Island thing. Some uh, uh, people are just death on that idea. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, I, as a sailor, kind of always like a dock. But uh, from the Bangor Daily News, uh, here's a, uh, a thing about uh, eSport. And we had Chris Gardner, the uh, director of the Port of eSport here uh, the month before last. And uh, they're hurting down there. They... Uh, their business was going up for the last few years. The volume of stuff going out over the, the docks in Eastport was uh, increasing, but it was all Domtar, and Domtar is closing the mill at the present time. And they have some pulp. Uh, a lot of what they were shipping out was pulp, hardwood pulp. And uh, they still have some that's still coming, but that's going to end, you know, and may or may not come back. So uh, what are we going to do with the port of Eastport, which, again, is... Uh, you know, it's a fantastic spot by water, but it's in Eastport, and if you're ever driven there, that's a bit of an issue. You know, it's, uh, there's no good road goes to Eastport, basically. It's kind of on a causeway in an island, and, uh, you know, basically the end of America. Well, they had just had their first shipment of um, windmill blades, and they have a, uh, another shipment coming, I believe. They had a ship come from uh, Brazil, and uh, it brought a, a whole load of... Uh, uh, windmill blades. These things weigh between uh, 13,000 and 17,000 pounds. They're 125 feet long. Uh, some other ones just came through the, the uh, Mac Point port down to Searsport there and uh, are being driven all over the state. Uh, some of these blades are going to Rollins Mountain up in uh, uh, eastern Maine, a uh, new wind farm there. Other ones, and mind you, they're being imported to Eastport, Maine, are going to Nova Scotia and Pennsylvania once they land here by truck. So um, an interesting thing to me that we talked about uh, the whole port policy was you have to think of it sort of like uh, airports, the whole spoken hub system. You know, the Bar Harbor Airport, for instance, is, is really not a major airport, but without it, you can't get connected to other people, you know. And uh, ports are sort of the same way. You say, what is going to go out of that port? What are we going to import there? Well, we don't do that, so who needs it? Well, the fact is, then you've kind of cut yourself off from the rest of the world. You still need to be tied to a good railroad. That's the thing that the Eastport guy talked about. There is uh, old existing uh, rail right-of-ways down there. They're trying to, to rehabilitate and get a rail connection to Eastport. It's kind of controversial. Um, it does not involve 
the same right-of-way that's being uh, uh, turned into rails to trails, the old uh, railway that goes down east that is uh, you know, now being turned into a trail. Uh, that's a different right-of-way. And he has some hope for that, but it would cost somebody a lot of money, a private company, uh, you know, and uh, are they going to invest in that would be the question. So transportation infrastructure. Uh, and again, the month before last, we talked about it here. Um, that's podcast up on the Boat Talk website and also at weru.org if you missed it. So, windmills, you know, uh, on the other hand, how many windmills does the world need? That's not a, you know, you'd think sometime they... That's not a, that's not a vain question. Oh, good Lord, <laughs> <laughs> However, my favorite is still uh, tidal power, not with dams, but with generators where the current runs hard. I, Almost I, 24 I'm, hours a day. Yeah, I'm with you, Giffy. It goes in and it comes out. Yep, it goes it's in. all clean, yeah. natural. It's very little downtime. Uh, you don't have to build anything up in the sky. Have it's, you seen the, uh, the the helical, the vertical helical uh, turbines are using I, on the I water saw, now? I saw just one quick picture of one on the news. I'd, yeah. I'd love to see one close it up. It seems pretty interesting. It's not so, so much of a blender effect as the, yeah. as the propeller yeah, kind. But it's, it's just it's, the, the, the opportunities are there, and I don't think they cost anywhere near as much to develop as, as wind turbines. Mm -hmm. The um, of course the marine environment is very corrosive, and it's a you know it's a difficult place to operate anything. But uh, the thing about tidal power is it's uh, predictable. It's uh, just keeps coming, not like the wind, which right. can be variable. Um, you know, you can you can uh, really count on the tides, and we have an extraordinary uh, um, tide situation there. So look up in Hancock, the amount of water that roars through there every day. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable. Motion is it, energy. I think it would be it would be a challenge to me to try to to estimate the. The horsepower that goes through there every day. Yeah. Speaking of the Eastport area, here's another one that's kind of connected. Uh, again, from the Bangor Daily uh, News, new LNG terminal in Canada will help meet New England demand. Uh, they are building a new port down in uh, St. John, New Brunswick. They call it Canaport. And uh, St. John, New Brunswick is a major, major container port, which, uh, again, we do not have here, uh, strictly speaking, in the state of Maine. And also they have uh, are just about to open... This LNG uh, facility, there is uh, LNG has been proposed for the Eastport area, um, and uh, you know some people are for it, some people are against it. And uh, on the other hand, uh, a good deal of the electricity we are using at the present time, I mean right now, speaking in this microphone, comes from liquefied natural gas. And again, uh, you know it's coming through Canada, not through here. Um, the Canadians have an issue with. Uh, having a port down in Eastport for LNG because the boats would have to transit international waters. It's very close there, uh, New Brunswick and, and uh, Maine. And they are not, uh, they're saying that they do not want to allow passage of those ships through their waters. Well, I think it's, I think that there's a selfish motive there. Yes. No doubt about it. They'd rather they go to their port. Yeah. And, and they we handle, pay for it. Yeah, and we pay for it. Exactly. Now, uh, not in my backyard nowadays. Mm -hmm. There's people who are against windmills. Um, you know, there's people who, who don't want a little anti-change in their backyard. But uh, infrastructure is all I'm saying. So what do you think this morning? The phone number here, one 625 9378 We're doing boat talk this morning. 
me and Alan and Giffy hanging around. And, uh, yeah, the, the people down in New Brunswick there, like I say, uh, you know, are, are kind of taking care of our business. And uh, not to mention they process all our lobsters as well, you know. So uh, it's interesting, those, those damn socialists down there, those Canadians, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> They're kind of kicking our butts in some ways, but anyway. Uh, here's a nice, uh, another little uh, news item here. The Bowden is uh, speaking to Canada. It's off to uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, and it's leaving at noon today out of Castine. You want to go down and wave goodbye to the boys and girls. Uh, Bowden, of course, historic uh, Arctic uh, schooner made to uh, be iced in and uh, pop out of the ice just like a, uh, you know, uh, not get crushed, but kind of pop out. Very strong, very stout boat. And uh, what, from the 1920s, I believe it was built. Um, Bowden is leaving for Newfoundland and Labrador at noontime today out of Castine. What else we got here? The uh, lobster fishery. Let's talk about lobsters for a little while. Did a uh, first boat delivery uh, 1st of May and thought, well, we won't have to dodge many lobster pots, but no, they're out there. They weren't uh, as thick as they ever are, but they're out there right now. Uh, they ain't catching very much at the present time. Um, you know, the catch is, is way down. The price is down. And... Uh, there is no lobsterman in the state of Maine, I think, that would say anything nice about the whole swap out of floating for sinking rope, which was an issue with right whales, and the fishermen are very upset about that. Um, it, uh, you know, was uh, subsidized by the government, but it cost people money and time, and uh, they're already complaining that the new rope chafes and, uh, you know... It doesn't work too well, apparently. Yeah. Um, I think it's... Uh I have a lot of friends that are fishermen, and I don't think they're going to have too easy a year. Right? No, the uh, like I say, their costs are up, and uh, you know, uh, lobsters are down. Here's another um, article from the Bangor Daily News: Lobster landing values dropped fifty million dollars last year, and it wasn't the all-time record catch, but it was it was an extraordinarily good catch, just behind uh, basically the year before that. Um, you know. But the value was down $50 million because of the price. Now, $50 million has been taken out of that system. That's got to hurt somebody, you know. And uh, so anyway, the lobster fishery, like I say, uh, eat a lobster and, and uh, you know, good for, good for everybody, basically. Major part of the, the main economy. Uh, another point we've made uh, on Boat Talk for years is that um, you can almost think of the lobster fishery as aquaculture in a way. They are uh, sort of ranching those lobsters. Think of the amount of bait that yeah, gets yeah. thrown into the water. They're feeding them. Feeding them every day. Yeah. And uh, the other thing from the secret lives of lobsters and, uh, oh, uh, oh, what was the other one? Uh, there's, there's two great, good books about lobsters. I'll think about it in a minute. But um, the, the University of Maine took a video camera and a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, underwater light and put it in a uh, lobster trap, baited it up, threw it overboard. What happens to a lobster trap underwater? We don't know because we don't see it, you know. And uh, the lobster trap video, which is viewable on the web, I can't tell you where, but it is uh, findable somehow. Um, it kind of blew people away. And what happened was when the lobster trap hit the bottom, lobsters flock to it and fight over the bait. And... 96% of the lobsters uh, enter and exit the trap at will. And will you call that a trap? There's sort of a small pun, wasn't it? But anyway, can you call that a trap if 96% of the lobsters can enter and exit? And uh, 
what they did was they uh, characterized the behavior and, and uh, approaches were um, any lobster which approaches the trap and, and makes an effort to enter, okay? This lobster may not get into the trap because there might be a bigger lobster on the bait fighting him off, eating with one claw and, and uh, trying to punch him in the nose with the other claw. And this lobster trap was uh, in the water for 24 hours, and I can't remember the exact figure, but it kind of blow you away. There were, uh, I think, almost 2,000 approaches to the lobster trap. Now, that's not 2,000 different lobsters. That's not 2,000 yeah. entries and exits. But 2,000 times, a lobster tried to get to the trap for the bait there. And uh, it, here's the punchline. When they pulled the trap up the next day, two shorts and a keeper. <laughs> you know? And again, yeah. you call that a trap, and uh, why don't you call it aquaculture? Because they are kind of ranching those lobsters. I think of lobster traps now as a hay bale thrown into a field, you know? Well, there's, there's other things that uh, some of these creatures are a little bit smarter than, than we can understand. Uh, there's other studies have been done on scallops that were put in uh, fenced areas, and they either dug their way out or swam out over the top. Yeah. And uh, another study had been done in uh, Weir down on Cape Cod where striped bass went in and took what fish they wanted and, and went out. We were anchored next to a weir years ago, and, and uh, uh, in the evening along come some seals, jumped right over the thing and, and went in and made mayhem. And in the morning, we woke up to shotgun blasts. And, uh, you know, you can't strictly speak and shoot those things. But uh, on the other hand, like I say, those seals were pretty darn happy with that weir full of uh, herring, you know, and they made some mayhem there. So, uh, yeah, everybody's got to get fed, you know. Speaking of getting fed, uh, the Hinkley Company has laid off 20 more, 28 more people in Trenton. Uh, this behind the, uh, what, 60-something people they laid off earlier last winter and then 25 people after that. And, uh, you know, they're not... Not out of business, but they're... Uh, well, this is this is uh, April's news, though. Uh, this one comes from... Uh, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's back in April. So, but, so it's uh, not 28 more, but still it was a big layoff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact is that, uh, you know, they're, they're just not selling the boats like they ought to. And we were just talking about the Brooklyn Boatyard a few minutes ago. They're building a 90-footer. And uh, it's about to come out of the shed, and they don't have another boat to build after that, yeah. you know. And how about the boys that are building them? The yacht business has been booming for years, and so has, I, I almost want to put up the finger quotes, the economy, you know, our booming economy here. And uh, let's face it, the, uh, uh, some of the financial geniuses have been buying all these boats, been raking it off the top. And, and uh, one of my favorite jokes uh, also is, isn't it a good thing we don't go to sea in boats they design and build? <laughs> you know, because you can cash the big checks and kind of scam the money, but uh, ultimately you got to face reality. And the reality is the money, uh, you know, the the, uh, it's, the skim's not coming off the top anymore, and the yacht business is hurting right now. So, yeah. um, and the phone is ringing. No, don't have phone the phone's right not now, really well. We would we're halfway through boat talk already. I, I have been talking with a few of the uh, people at the larger boat building businesses in the area just recently, and. Um, they say there's getting a lot of tire kickers nowadays. That's not like it's totally flat. There are some people who have some money, but they're being very uh, particular. Cautious, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's true. And uh, and uh, still some of the builders are, are getting a lot of inquiries. That's it. Yeah, they said it's yeah. not like they're 
totally dead. It's yeah. just a, a lull, and they expect uh, things to start turning around. They're my, saying my son is a, is a, is a broker, and he he has to work very hard and travel a lot of miles to to, to sell a boat today. Yeah. yeah. I always thought the brokers had the easy part as a working person, you know, but that's not strictly right. speaking true either. Nobody's not, uh, not a good broker. A good broker's out on the out on the road, yeah, trying to move move boats and list boats. Yeah. Speaking of keel kickers, it's one of our um, uh, other principles here around boat talk. We'll interrupt ourselves about any time to talk to you. We're about halfway through the program already, and haven't really talked about anything for some strange reason. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is yeah. number into the studio, and it is also the fundraising uh, issue of Boat Talk here, and and uh, we have uh, Wynn and Chris down in Bristol to thank, and Chris in uh, uh, Hancock just called us up and says, uh, you know, you ought to mention the the pitching thing again. So, uh, you know, we urge you to uh, support community radio once again. The whole Boat Talk thing just wouldn't work, I don't think, uh, nearly as well or at all without this audience. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a two-way street here. So. Well, yeah, it is uh, kind of a hot spot for boating in this area. So there's, Well, you've got to remember another thing. The way the weather's been this spring, there's a lot of people still out getting their boats ready, and they're not listening to the radio. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty hard to sand the bottom and listen to the radio at the same time. time. We had, uh, as a guest on Boat Talk a, a while ago, uh, now, uh, last, uh, oh, I think it was end of last uh, season, Niles Parker. He's the director of the uh, Marine Museum down in Searsport. And uh, so anyway, uh, uh, we had uh, Niles on. We were talking the uh, uh, Searsport uh, Marine Museum has, uh, uh, Penobscot Marine Museum has taken on a sardine carrier, the Jacob Pike. And they want to put that into an exhibit about Maine fishing boats. Uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. Um, how do you, how do you store and maintain a big old wooden boat like that, which is, you know, uh, if he's shaking his head, compost is an issue. You know, around an old boat like that, no matter what shape she's in, and she needs some fixing. So anyway, uh, but here's just stay in the water. Yeah, another uh, thing from the Bangor Daily News. Uh, the Penobscot Marine Museum, again, uh, right on Route 1 in uh, Searsport, has a couple of new exhibits this year. They have a new exhibit of historic photographs from the uh, Atlantic Fishermen. It was a, a newspaper for fishermen uh, founded back in the turn of the uh, 1900th century. And uh, another new exhibit is called Souvenirs from the Orient, which is uh, stuff that Maine sea captains would bring back from their uh, voyages, you know. I have one of those. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. You have one of what? A souvenir from the Orient that was brought back by a sea captain. And what is it? It's a, oh, it must be about two feet in diameter, large brass bowl with Chinese symbols carved in around the rim. Yeah. It's made from one flat sheet, just pounded and pounded and pounded until it became this big two-foot diameter, almost ball with an you know, opening in the top. Nice. It's it's a pretty amazing piece of uh, Piece of work. Yeah. yeah. The Penobscot Marine Museum. Sometime when you're driving through Searsport, stop in, you know. I'll check that out. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, well, what else we got to talk about here? Uh, you know, I'm sorry to say it's another ongoing uh, subject about boat talk is, uh, you know, people dying out on the water. Um, in one way, that's why uh, boating is so satisfying because it can kill you. And, uh, you know, if you... Uh, get it together and, and learn and survive, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's kind of a nice thing to, to feel capable of, you know, but uh, it does, 
It is a dangerous environment. There's no doubt about it. Here's a fellow from uh, Jonesport who, uh, uh, 60 years old, his uh, family is uh, Roy uh, Lenfesty, uh, and his family is uh, in boat building down there. He was a, uh, you know, boat builder, uh, clam warden, part-time, part-time uh, fisherman, part-time, a lot of stuff. And uh, he had a little sailboat that he kept down uh, off of uh, Beals Island there. He went to uh, check on it every day, and one day he didn't come back. The boat was found tipped over, and his dinghy tied to it, and uh, they found him a little ways away. He was very experienced around the water, you know. And uh, I can't tell you at all what happened to him, but... The sailboat was found tipped over. The sailboat was found tipped over. And, and there's another thing, an old Jones Porter out in a day sailor? <laughs> you know, you don't see that a lot either, you know what I'm saying? Well, whatever gets you on the water. Well, yeah. Pete, Pete, my my feeling is people still don't pay enough attention to the weather, and they they uh, have too much pride to quit when the weather goes sour, and that's uh, that's you know one of the reasons that those things happen. You need to you need to you, you need to think. You need some respect. Yes. No question about it. Yeah. And another factor is that needs to be taken into consideration, I pay a little bit more attention to it today, is that older people, <clears throat> older people. <laughs> He's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the young one here. The old, uh, when they go overboard in this cold water, uh, it's generally all over quickly. Yeah. Uh, normally in the, in the wintertime, uh, one of the record stands uh, is that Pilots going aboard vessels in the winter time, they most of them, if they make a mistake and fall overboard, they don't drown. They have a heart attack. Hmm. They have a heart attack. I know two cases where two people, two people going aboard a ship off of Portland, uh, they they were thrown. They sea washed over the ship they were going aboard and washed them right off the, the pilot right off the ladder yeah. and uh, also swamped their boat and uh, another man went and uh, neither one of them reached for a line when it was thrown to them they're just laying there huh they're gone yeah that's quite a shock when you hit that cold yeah, water. Yeah, I know. It's, I've uh, I, I've been overboard twice in the winter time and I have no desire to ever do it again. Not on purpose either time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, 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 it was not. <laughs> All the times I've ended up in the water is to, you know, go clear a propeller or, you know, uh, for, for practical reasons, and uh, that's never fun. But, uh, you know, uh, in a way, I kind of count on a lack of imagination uh, for, uh, you know, keeping me out of the water. I try never to imagine that we would end up in the water, for instance. Uh, and, again, just published a piece about it on the Boat Talk website, uh, boattalk.org. Did our uh, first delivery of the season back in the first of May, and a little uh, Morris uh, M42 day sailor took it down to Greenwich, Connecticut, and uh, the boat has no uh, no life raft, no dinghy, you know, and we're sailing across the Gulf of Maine first of May. Mm. It's hardly anybody out there, and uh, of course it's a fabulous boat, immaculately maintained and everything. What could possibly go wrong? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> you know. <laughs> another another little. Interesting note, uh, talking about lobster fishing and so forth and so on. Uh, I put something on my boat uh, a couple of years ago that's worked out pretty good to help avoid 
lobster gear. Uh, it's not a really a new idea. It was done a long time ago, but uh, never went anywhere. I have a, a couple of um, so-called airfoil wings that are about a foot and a half ahead of my propeller. They're raked back at about approximately 45 degrees. Uh, the forward edges are well rounded and smooth. And if you run across a, a pot warp, it throws it away from the propeller. And I have, haven't had any problems since I put that on. Mm. I, had, I knew I hit one last year because I, I heard the boy hit the rudder. Yeah. And, and bounce off and went clear. And uh, I think they're well worth putting on the boat. A lot better it, than it, spurs. It, it, yeah. Well, and by spurs, we mean they, they sell uh, little cutters that you can put on your uh, your shaft. And if you get a lobster uh, uh, warp uh, wound up around your propeller, it cuts it into pieces. And, and you go along your merry way. You might not even know that happened, but uh, the fellow just lost his lobster trap. And you have to think of that in terms of $100 bills, you know, which is not a nice thing just to go cutting the gear off. They're hard to dodge, you know, and, and uh, what people, I think, don't appreciate. Um, lobster lobster buoys don't bother me too much. We have a phone call. Yeah, it's the toggles you have to worry about. But anyway, Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome to Boat Talk. Hello. Good morning. Who are we speaking to? Uh, this is Mark Jackson. I'm a vocational technology teacher out on Vinyl Haven Island. I know you. Mark, <laughs> we've heard of you. What's happening out there? <laughs> I was just wanting to give you a little heads up on what we're starting for our next project. Excellent. Uh, we have a 29-foot Arno Day designed and built lobster boat that has fished for the last 40 years here in Vinyl Haven, and we're going to start the re complete rebuild of that next school year, next fall. Used to be Sea Ranger. No, no, this one was PGO from the day it was launched till now. Hmm. No kidding. Named for Philip Gregory Osgood, a, a local grandson at the time. His grandfather had it built. Um, just in a, a note aside, I, I know of another Arno Day boat out on, uh, actually it's uh, Isle of Ho, uh -huh. which is uh, looking for a home. And the, uh, you know, the criterion would be somebody's got to take care of it. And, I see. Uh, which yeah. boat is that? It used to be Sea Ranger. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, it might be in a little better shape than this one. This one's going to be torn clear down to the bear hall, taking the garbage off, refastening and recocked, and then built from there up, I think. Nice. And what kind of kids you got in your program? Oh, good ones. Good old lobster type workers that know how to figure out and make, uh, uh, figure out things. They're not always as skilled in the beginning, but they know how to, uh, to uh, work through problems and get them done. So. How old are they? Uh, next year, I'm going to have them, uh, they're all high school from ninth grade up through seniors. Now, you guys, uh, a couple years back, you fixed up a sailboat, didn't you? Yes, we did. And then went sailing. Yes, we did. Tell us about that, Mark. Well, uh, it was a Al Mason-designed uh, sloop that was first appeared in Rudder Magazine in 1945 as a build-it-yourself uh, boat, and it was built, this one was built in 1953 by Gilbert Klingle, so it's a steel-hulled sloop with a, had a plywood deck and a mahogany house, and we, again, took, it was right down to the bare hall, and we replaced everything in it over a two-year period time, and then sailed it to Florida and back over a school year with revolving crew of students on board, six weeks at a time. What a great idea. Four different groups of students. 
Mark, tell me uh, something else. Uh, how's the how's the movie business uh, out on Vinyl Haven? Well, I I I don't know. <laughs> What's he talking about? I, don't, I have no well, idea. I watched that movie the other night, The Islander. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I wouldn't call it a happy I wouldn't call it a happy movie, but it was interesting. No, it was a that was a great little project that went on here a few years ago. Um and a lot of locals got uh, screen time on that one, too. Yeah, it's being advertised uh, quite heavily now on the television. The movie is called Islander. It's a, uh, it's a story about a territorial dispute over lobster fishing grounds, and somebody gets killed, and, uh, you know, a lot of lives get ruined, I believe, is the general gist of the thing. I'd love to see it myself. Yeah. And filmed uh, in uh, the Vinyl Haven area. Yes. Yeah, lovely. My, my son was the lobsterman that went overboard, so... Oakley Jackson was got his screen debut at that time. Nice. He, he didn't last long, but he, he was on there for a little while. <laughs> now, Mark, you're a, that's not a that's not a Vinyl Haven accent you're sporting there. Where are you from originally? I'm from Kansas. How'd you get there? To Kansas? No, to, to, to Vinyl Haven. <laughs> it's a it's a long story. Yeah. Uh, I, you went there in the scow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I actually uh, just got uh, liked water. My wife and I, with two little kids, moved on to a, a sailboat for a year in exchange for working on it that we got a deal on and ended up uh, in Maine. Actually, uh, began our time in Maine up in Brooksville at Walker's Pond at the teaching sailing at the Camp Four Winds, and then I was at Brooklyn Boatyard for a few years before coming out here. Nice. Anyway, the rest of that story on this, Rebuild is that we, this year we refurbished five different boats that we're going to sell and uh, try to raise money to uh, jumpstart the rebuild pro process. And the, also the sailboat that we rebuilt, the Freya, the 30-foot Al Mason boat, is going up for sale. And I think they're all going to be sold by bid. I hadn't details haven't been completely figured out yet, but if you anyone has an interest in it, uh, we got a Charles Wilthole's 20-foot cat boat. 15-foot runabout, varnished deck on it, old style. A uh, couple of 15-foot rowboat with oars and an 11-and-a-half-foot rowboat with oars and a little sailing dinghy that will all be sold to raise money for this next school project. Nice. I love the, of course, you live on an island, so it's pretty hard to avoid boat rides, but I love the way you've, you've tied the boat building to, uh, you know, actually using the boats because, uh, in my experience, one reason I become a boat builder, I wanted to go for boat rides all the time. And as a boat builder, I found there was, there was surprising lack of going for boat rides a lot of the times, you know. And and it's important to, like I say, get out there and use them. Yep, I would I would agree with you. Uh, as I remember, Mark, you had a a website too that you could keep uh, keep up with what the kids were doing. Yes, during the time when we were on board the boat, and for about a year after that, it's been uh, allowed to. Uh, go off the web now but it was up kept and we and we were feeding uh, information to it as we went along so how, how did um how do people get more information if they're like to uh, consider buying one of your boats now i would have to tell them to call my home number which is a cell phone i live on greens island actually so it'll probably be leaving me a message and that number is 831-7932 Ah, very good. Thank you, Mark. Thank Mark, you. another another little funny item. You ought to try to find a a, a Skoog boat. Yes, Gus, Gus Skoog. He was a Vinyl Haven builder, and he built a lot of 
really semi-commercial boats in the way of uh, tuna, t- small tuna fishing, lobster-style boats, and and uh, he was a pretty good all-around boat builder. Yes, he was. Uh, years and years ago, I, I did a couple of surveyed a couple of his boats, and I thought they were pretty good boats. Yeah. Well, we we were uh, going to tie the rebuilding of this Arno Day boat into with the uh, history department and do a maritime history of Maine with uh, emphasis on the evolution of the lobster boat and concentration on several boat builders we've had here in Vinyl Haven and even Phil Dyer still here and is still building an occasional small boat but has built several large lobster boats so we have a rich tradition of boat building here uh, and Hopkins Boatyard is still finishing out uh, fiberglass holes on occasion there's a lot of boat building still going on here yes I don't know how far you get a a field there but uh, of course J.O. Brown Mm-hmm. Right in the same general area, not Vinyl Haven, but close by. Yes. And uh, also, sometime when you get a chance, you want to f- learn the story of putting the water line, the domestic water line across between Vinyl Haven and North Haven. Uh huh. It's an interesting story. I haven't, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. We do have another phone call. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Mark. Mark. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Thanks for waiting. Um, I wanted to offer you a suggestion. Uh, As I've heard you mention Sears Island a number of times, but not with any uh, in-depth analysis of what is really happening, there's um, uh, someone who edits a newsletter about Northeast transportation by the name of Chop Hardenberg, the... um, the uh, newsletter, appropriately enough, is called Atlantic Northeast Rails and Ports. So this is someone who covers the waterfront, and, so to speak, and understands, um, knows the personnel, understands the issues, and doesn't feel that a port at Sears Port is warranted because it's too far from the consumer markets. Um, one of the main arguments that David Cole and the governor are advancing for a port on Sears Island is that the um, economy is going to bounce back and Sears Island would be needed to uh, bring in uh, container ships that would serve Midwest um, uh, consumers and um, the fallacy, as Hardenberg points out, is that the ports of New York and Virginia, which are expanding, are closer to Chicago. It's it's something like 20 hours to Chicago from Sears Port. So it doesn't make sense for that reason. And there are many other reasons um, with the failure of Eastport and Portland, um, those those ports would quite naturally not welcome a third port in Maine. The environmental reasons are possibly too obvious to state, um, but I think the the question of need hasn't really been addressed, and this is somebody who could do that. Um, I guess the only thing I I would ask you is uh, how do you feel about getting everything you have from uh, through other ports, your your, uh, liquefied natural gas, your uh, you know, Levi jeans and, and uh, you know, basically everything we need comes on ships. 
um, from places because we don't build and make stuff like we used to. And uh, so anyway, it's it's got to come somewhere. Why not here, I guess would be my question. Because the other the, the ports that are serious about getting goods, what such as they are, I think that the global transportation is going to be shrinking. Um, nobody really knows, but people, the consumers are, are changing their habits. And the fact that New York and Virginia are expanding, and there's some argument that um, North Carolina and uh, Savannah are expanding as well. Um, so it, the what is happening at Searsport um, is is a very very uh, political situation. Um, the the push that's on with the the governor and the transportation officials having figured out <clears throat> that wetlands mitigation banking is a way that can enable them to get permits that they couldn't get before. This could could make it um, a reality before we have time to to mount these economic arguments, and we would just be sitting with a port at Searsport that isn't serving anyone and is a drain on the taxpayers. I don't think anybody wants that. And there are some some unexpected allies in, in all of this, and some of them are, are not people who care whether the um, marine ecosystem around Searsport is ruined or not. Um, and it would be tragic if, if, it, if it did become an economic albatross, and that's what's coming. We uh, tried to discuss this stuff on the April edition of Boat Talk. We had the uh, fellow from the Port of Portland on the phone and the fellow from uh, the Port of Eastport here. We, uh, that discussion got a little run over with a discussion of pirates, but, and we tried to keep it away from uh, wetland mitigation and stuff. and more. Why? Why would you want to keep it away from what is driving the discussion? Well, um, tried to focus the discussion more on, on uh, what's coming and going, and again, uh, the whole concept of, uh, like airports, uh, spoken hub system. Uh, somebody uh, mentioned to me later that, uh, you know, who'd want an airport in their backyard nowadays? You know, planes can crash into you, but we've got to, got to kind of have infrastructure. So, uh, and again, the politics of the, is, of the thing is, again, uh, is not, uh, was a little nervous to bring it up on Boat Talk here. I know a lot of people in this audience are uh, very fierce on the, on the uh, serious port subject. So, uh, you know, we tried to go at it for, more from a, a purely marine point of view. Well, I you guess, have fishermen whose who's, uh, livelihoods are threatened by industrial pollution that comes from container ships. I mean, this would change the ecology of the entire bay. It's a nursery for fish stocks. What, what, is, the, what is the pollution from a container ship? <laughs> well, the, the emissions are, are too numerous to even begin to talk about. It, it is a polluting industry, without question. But I, th I think, um, going back to the question of need, um, it, it would really serve you well to talk with people who know what's happening. Um, the the um, spray contractor at Mac Point may not be willing to speak out, and uh, even the Eastport and Portland uh, port directors may not want to go on the record. But there are Hardenberg can point you to a number of people who who don't see this as a, a sound 
um, policy to be following a third port strategy. I mean, things are changing. Global trade is shifting. And um, Maine can focus on many other ways. I mean, you mentioned offshore wind. There, there are all kinds of possibilities that could, could generate income and change <clears throat> Maine's energy strategy. Um, and there's people that argue that offshore wind is going to ruin the ocean, too, you know. So, uh, boy, it's interesting. Well, it's important that they be done. Yeah, it's right. interesting. And there, there, have to be enough, uh, there have to be enough mapping to be sure that, that the facilities are going in the right place to begin with. In Long Island Sound, I believe, there's an electric line that uh, runs down there, and they found that it's like a fence line for lobsters. They won't cross it. And that kind of interesting, too. Anyway, we are very interested to speak with you this morning. I've uh, noted the uh, uh, newsletter that you talked about and the fellow's name. There's, uh, uh, the phone was ringing again, and we're just about out of time here on Boat Talk this morning, but we're glad to talk to you about it. Excellent. Yeah. Well... Tricky, uh, tricky subject. We never got to talk about the fellows who, uh, the boat swamped off in Northport. We tried to get them on the phone this morning, but it clearly wasn't happening. They uh, swam to Northport for over an hour, climbed a bluff to some uh, houses, and uh, called 911, laid down on the tar in the driveway. And uh, they lived. They broke the 50-50 rule. That you have half a chance to live uh, 50 minutes in 50-degree water. And they, uh, like I said, survived that. So anyway, it's all interesting. We're out of time on Boat Talk this morning. We do it every Tuesday, uh, second Tuesday of the month. We'll be back next month, and uh, you want to stay tuned for On the Wing. The whole WERU day is coming up, and again, it's the uh, fundraising time. We urge you to give us a call here in Support Community Radio, 1-866-625-9378. Hey, thanks for listening. This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main wind jam.